Well done, Alan. Thank you for that one. That was lovely. <laughs> um, can we can we pick squirrel given <laughs> given a cure? Are there yes, squirrel yes, or nuts? Yes, you can. Yeah, nuts, squirrel, nuts. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Let's do it. Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley. My pronouns are they, them, and this is Coffee and Geography. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people on this rock we call home and their love and passions of it. We'll find out why guests identify as geographers and if they don't exactly, we'll have fun exploring all the myriad of ways that connects their life to geography. So, pour your favourite brew, get cosy and listen in. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPot. Off we go. Hi, everybody. Right, so this is the first time I'm having a go of having two wonderful guests at the same time. Now, I was going to say that this was a warm-up act for next week's planned craziness that you're not going to want to miss. But really, I think this is one of those occasions where the warm-up act is probably going to be better than the main gig. <laughs> and that is because I have in t- I have two lovely warm people with me, uh, Akira Williams and Chantal Mayo-Holloway. Hello to both of you. Hi. Hi. So to introduce you, we have Chantel, who has for over 20 years been a geography geek committed to improving the lives and life chances of the students she teaches by helping them to see the world through geography goggles. And she lives by the mantra, practicing what we preach. And she sees geography everywhere she goes, embedded in everything around us. And whether that is she's hiking the Himalayas or cycling to school or sat in a classroom. So Chantel, do you have anything to add to that before I move on to Akira? Uh, no, I think that's, that's fine. <laughs> You're very modest. <laughs> So, and then uh, Akira is a student geographer, community organiser, poet, artist from South London, or as she said just before we started recording, South London. I can <laughs> do that because I'm from London myself-ish. Um, she, she studies BA Geography at King's College London and is the co-founder of the youth-led education campaign Rerooted, as well as Oral Histories Project, The Voices Project, which we are definitely going to chat about a bit later. And Akira has an interest in ending structural inequalities, both socially and environmentally. So what about anything to add on that, Akira? Or does that sum you up quite nicely? I mean, I think it sums me up quite nicely, but I think Chantal's one was a bit jazzier. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you're, and you're both actually in, involved in The Voices Project, in fact, and that's something where you're going to um, talk about a bit later right so first of all um anybody can go first so Chantel, um what do you usually uh, drink have you got a brew with you today do you have a bit of tea a bit of coffee with you or what have you got in front of you today i've got the not very healthy coca-cola <gasps> Ooh, <laughs> everyone yeah everybody can we can boo boo <laughs> <laughs> at least i acknowledge it and own it myself <laughs> that's fair enough Chantel. yep um yeah so again we uh, as we know as geography teachers coca-cola is one of those multinational companies that we really do get the kids to investigate with their sustainable practices or maybe if they're not sustainable so okay we'll let that one slide as, as a case of um we'll put it out there if they're a sustainable entity or not but what about you akira please save us <laughs> I mean, I have half a banana on one side of my desk and I have a reusable bottle with water in it. So we balance each other out in terms of sustainability, Chantel, maybe. 
Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Even though it is up to the industries rather than individuals to make a lot of these changes. So absolutely, yeah, we start the cycle, but it is, yeah, definitely them. Coca-Cola, I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, now you're both currently in fairly contrasting regions of the UK. I mean, Chantel, you're in the uh, West Midlands, just north of Birmingham. And Kira, you're in Clapham, southwest of London. So let's just explore perhaps some of the similarities and differences there. So um, Chantel, what yourself then? So up there, you're just north of Birmingham. So what is your kind of uh, region like? And how does it speak to you as a person? Is there anything up there which like, this is definitely me as a person? Yeah, I think it's very um, unassuming. It doesn't it doesn't claim to be what it isn't, and it's very proud of itself and its faults. Um, so, from Wolverhampton, in terms of um, football and identity for myself, to um, to Cannock Chase and the Staffordshire Moorlands and um, all the outdoor hiking and stuff. So it's a nice mix of kind of town and country. So would you say, Chantel, are you are you a, a, a country girl or a town girl then? 100% country. As the peace and quiet and getting away from it, as a teacher, I'm surrounded by hundreds of voices um, each week. And then I come home and get to walk in the forest and see nature and spend time with the dog, um, but also see see the wildlife and see the potential for how beautiful this country is I think I didn't always notice how beautiful it is to be at home until I started traveling more and then when you fly back in and you realize quite how green it is when you fly back it's so beautiful yeah that's a good point isn't it and I think that's the important thing about travel is that it doesn't just make you appreciate other places it almost makes you appreciate home as well isn't it and and Akira I'm guessing what Chantel said there about hundreds of voices that that may be something that you identify with in a different kind of manner bearing where you are so is there anything that Chantel just said that kind of felt yeah I kind of recognize that or anything different yeah I think actually funnily enough rather than the hundreds of voices I was just thinking about the fact that I'm right next to Clapham Common mm. and even though I am in you know greater London I'm in the city I'm in the capital like what I identify with most is living right next to a park and having that green space and having like family time there and yeah when I go to other places and I come back and I get to like walk from the station alongside the common like that is what grounds me and reminds me of home but also there are hundreds of voices and different languages that people speak here um I think I, I often hear um Australian accents oh. um, <laughs> I think Clapham has quite a large Australian population um and yeah, often conversations in, in Spanish as well, um, as well as English. Oh, that's a fact. I didn't know that. Any Australians where you are then, Chantel? <laughs> uh, no, but um, when I first started seeing my husband, he lived in Clapham. So I know Clapham Common quite well, and I agree. There was definitely lots of Australian voices there. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I, yeah i'm not going to turn this into a uh, into a bit of banter between the uh the pommies and and the aussies <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that for another day apparently yeah so obviously we know that london is a national park city um and that apparently roughly 47 percent of greater london is considered green or green space which is amazing yeah i mean when you think about it the amount of area that london covers i suppose it's 
no real surprise that there is so much. And I think it is testament to the fact that they do try and keep as many green spaces as they possibly can. You know, and we were talking to Katie Water um, quite a, a while ago now about, like, for example, Tooting Beck, that she does a lot of mm-hmm. exercise around and whatnot. And so, yeah, there are plenty of green spaces. And from the area of London and Essex I'm from, you've got um, a bit out to the suburbs, you've got Epping Forest and all those things are kind of out there. So amazing yeah so we definitely some similarities between you two they're more than you know so there you go everybody kind of rural suburban kind of area of birmingham or you know canuck area from Chantel can actually be very similar in ways to where akira is in the southwest of london right thank you you both that's really interesting <laughs> i'm really really excited to talk about this next bit now because it is amazing um, and that is a, a project that you're both involved with called the voices project and this is just Oh, and I've been an absolute privilege for me to kind of like seen some of the work going on behind the scenes of this and how hard like you both are working at this. So for people listening then, um, bearing in mind that, you know, we've not just got geography teachers listening and geographers, you know, hopefully we've got plenty of, of general public listening. So can you kind of, so Akira, can you tell us a little bit about the Voices Project and what you're aiming to try to achieve? Uh, yeah, so um, the Voices Project is an oral histories slash oral geographies project. Um, that focuses and centres uh, the voices of socially and economically marginalised communities in the UK. Um, and the whole point of the project is to be able to explore different people's stories about identity, place, migration and empire in Britain um, and link it to wider conversations within geography about the world, about development, about inequality, um, but also about like connection and how we define ourselves and attach ourselves to the places we live and grow up and travel to. Um, And so, yeah, it kind of stemmed out of um, the Black Lives Matter movement and me being a young student of colour and definitely not seeing myself in the curriculum. And especially being like a young black geographer, um, I wanted to be part of this project in order to make sure that young voices like me get to see themselves and what they learn and actually explore like the really complex conversations about identity and about culture and ethnicity and migrant um, experiences within their classrooms and it'd be like a really open and accessible thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's really what the Voices Project means to me. Um, and I'm sure Chantal obviously has a different entry point to it that she'll explain a bit later. I think that the Voices Project is so important because no matter where students live, they're quite often in a small microcosm, a little echo chamber of their own community, of their own socioeconomic background. And no matter which school you're at or which location you're in, you're going to have some marginalised voices or some groups which are not represented within the school whether that's through the standard textbooks, whether that's through the um, audio and visual resources that we use. But to my mind, young people are perhaps not exposed to a wider variety of experiences and therefore can find it quite difficult to be able to experience what it's like to be othered as well as to be included and to be able to appreciate each other. This gives an absolutely fantastic opportunity for students to consider other people, other perspectives, but also to be able to reflect on how things are similar because we have more alike than that which divides us. Really love this. 
you know, f- from my perspective, you know, as as you know, some we've worked quite a bit on decolonizing um, geography kind of actions as well, and we know that there's there's a very you know you can have very very a lot of power, but also very very massive dangers and pitfalls with the single story, right? So uh, what I like about the Voices Project is that it's um, it takes the power because it can fill in gaps that may be missing from you know the observers, the listeners' own experience. But it can be dangerous if if you misinterpret it as a truth for all. So that's where the Voices Project does. It kind of like takes the power of a single story, but it appreciates the fact that it's it's filling those gaps to say, hang on a minute, this is a singular experience based on this whole diverse community, and that there's so many different perspectives within you know from a community and so many different um stories that come from it and it's just absolutely delightful and the fact um and like you said you know the the beauty and what makes us different and what makes us the same and it's just it's it's lovely and the other thing i love about this is that you've got akira yourself you know who's who's really taken the lead on this and you know it's your inspiration and your your imagination to get to get this get this um off the ground and i know you i mean well tell us tell us yourself i mean I mean, I'm giving you a lot of credit, obviously, to say that you're the one who's taken this. And but what was what was your inspiration really to kind of say we need to do this thing? Like, has, has anybody inspired you? Has there been a group that you've been a part of that's inspired you to say this is what we need? This is what I'm going to do? Yeah. So um, I'm part of the educational campaign Reroute Ed, and uh, that was launched in 2018 mm. um, as part of the Advocacy Academy Fellowship. Um, and the Advocacy Academy are a group based in South London um, that focus on giving young people the power to make change um, through social action workshops and working with activists in the area, um, academics, community leaders, um, to be able to make shifts in in their local areas in the way that, that they feel they haven't been made in the past. Um, and so myself and two other students at the time um, were going through education, secondary school education, and we're like, we can see there are massive gaps within our curriculums, um, especially we were looking at history mm. and just noticing the things that got focused on or how little histories there were actually on migration in depth about different cultural groups across the UK um, and how literally things like Black History Month weren't even celebrated in our school weren't even observed as a thing um, and so all of these things coming together we're like we need to make a campaign on education decolonizing education making education more inclusive making it more accessible making it um, more culturally diverse and that's kind of how Rerooted started up and then throughout um, my gap year that's how I got connected with decolonizing geography yes. which um, you both know about and and definitely that was where the Voices Project was born um, and already with all of these ambitions and intention from the rerouted the educational campaign, um, which at that point we had like sent a petition to um, our local MP, got that sent to the Secretary for Education. Um, we're having conversations with Running Need. Um, we're having conversations with different um, educational campaigns uh, that exist in London with young people and people who've been doing this work for generations. We're like, let's start a project of our own. And mm. I think decolonizing geography was a great place to plant the seed for that. And that's where the Voices Project came it from. Definitely was. And I just want to give a shout out to um, to uh, the lovely Sam Coffey because uh, me, you and Sam had a chat, didn't we, for my, my Jog Ramblings blog. 
um, and people can look at that interview and should definitely check that interview out. I think we recorded it in October, didn't we, for Black History Month for last year. And mm-hmm. and I'll put the link in the description for everybody to check that one out. But um, hi, hi, Sam. We miss you. Shout out to <laughs> Sam. Shout out to Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Shanto, I, I can talk. I can talk for hours about you. You know, the power of youth and the drive and and the inspiration you know that that young which is the reason why we one of the reasons why we work with young people so rather than me going off on something yeah how do you feel about like supporting akira like this you know this young person with such drive such vision um and you know what what does it mean to you to kind of be involved with this project in that sense i really enjoy working with akira and all of the connections and stuff that she has and it's not a case of supporting akira quite often akira is supporting me <laughs> Um, so it is quite a, a team effort to move it forwards in terms of bouncing different ideas off each other. Um, so Akira has, um, connections and has, um, a very determined approach to, um, helping acquire resources and finding the best people to connect with. Um, and then, um, obviously then when we took it to we did a presentation at the geographical association conference that's probably something that i was a little bit more aware of but it's something that akira has already done presentations and stuff before we did the share conference um so the sheffield and de-racist educators with christine winter um so we did a presentation there so that was something a little bit different from it but akira's connections um and drive and work and I, and I definitely think it's like a team effort kind of tag teamed our um strengths and abilities there so very often we will um we'll discuss things and where one of us has a lot of strengths the other one um is obviously learning very quickly <laughs> that's usually me um and then um yeah, it's it's about having a dialogue though, really, because we we sometimes think about things in different ways, and that's absolutely fine. That's what it should be. And the only way you move things forward is to have open and honest conversations. And I don't know everything about decolonizing geography. I'm learning from being in the WhatsApp group, um, and I'm learning from talking to other people. And I think we should all be doing that all the time because we have to have conversations outside of our own bubbles. Or how else do we move forward? And I can also add that as a student geographer and someone who's been in um, activist and community organising spaces, it's so nice to be working with Chantal um, and uh, some teachers that I've already had contact with um, and UKIT who are already in education and have, you know, gone through um, the university system and are in schools. And actually, those are the spaces that I don't really understand as much. And so even in the creation of a resource, like a lot of the strengths do come from the fact that you're already in education and I've got this like team of teachers who are making lesson plans on like a weekly, monthly basis. Um, So yeah, I think it's like our strengths bond well together. It's like the kind of lived experience um, on my side and like being able to connect with certain communities and then actually having like the pedagogy and the drive. I think Chantal has so much drive because um, she's doing like the in-school project, in-school voices project, um, which means that she's like in her school and actually speaking to students on the ground. And um, that's a whole other element of, of the voices project that I didn't even know was possible until she came along. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of both of our interests and drives. Um, 
and yeah it's been just a really great journey to have her as a team oh yeah and uh synergetic you two are both together and what what i will say um to everybody listening is that look listen this is a prime example of how you've got someone who's trying to take the lead in trying to challenge in structural issues to try and you know make positive changes to try and force progression through and needs to be the voice needs to be the lead and it is incumbent on the rest of us myself Chantal you know those of experience those with the privilege to support and enable these people because it's we need to kind of strike this balance where we don't want to have this privileged white savior kind of aspect to us what we do we want to allow people like Akira to take the lead tell us what needs to be done and then we enable them to do it and that and that's why I love the the voices project so 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 much because it is a prime example of just that and I just think it's not only not only is this a fantastic educational initiative you two but I really really do think that this is a prime example for how things could be done and, and in, in some respects how it should be done as well. So congratulations to you both on how it's progressing because I think it's 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 amazing. Um, let's listen to a little clip then. So this this clip is from one of your contributors and just to give a sense of, of, of what it sounds like. So when students are engaging with their work in the classroom and then the teacher will stick on something that sounds like this. I think it time. simplifies yeah. what your culture is to being like just, the, the, the accessible and popular things that people know it for that's and it. that's not actually like the essence of it mm. you can't even yourself quantify like you can't quantify a culture and you can't like understand the whole of your culture yourself mm. but for someone else to see you solely through like three things like food music and dance mm. it's very like i don't know like quite limited quite uncomfortable it is it is because i know so Akira, we we heard a, we heard a little clip there from one of your contributors. So so tell us about the process then. What did what had to take place in order to get that person, those people, to contribute in that way, to feel confident to do this, and and how you hope it's going to be used in the classroom? So the process was really kind of a snowballing um, research technique. We were reaching out to people within the communities that were already in. Um, and asking them whether they knew people who would like to talk about their life stories with us. Um, and then from that point on, we had a few people reach out to us who were like, yeah, I'm, you know, Bangladeshi, I'm Caribbean, I've lived in um, London, I've lived in um, other places across the UK. And, and they um, were like, yeah, we would love to get involved in the project. And so um, the whole kind of, process and, and ethics that the project relies on is people feeling comfortable when they're having these conversations and feeling like they've consented to sharing their stories because in a lot of um, research projects I guess within anthropology and within geography that consent has been taken away from people so at the heart of it we were like we want people to feel comfortable and so that's where we got the idea for people to have these conversations with their families and close friends and actually um in in an ideal situation have conversations with their parents and their grandparents so then we haven't we have a few conversations actually in the voices project that are intergenerational um where people are speaking to other generations who have completely different experiences but actually can can talk about the same topics and learn from each other um so yeah it was reaching out to people within our communities, asking them what they wanted and needed and, and who they knew. And, and often that ended up being their friends and family. Um, and then these conversations came organically out of that, us 
giving them some questions, us giving them a framework, and then them kind of riffing off that. Very, very nice. Yes. Yeah, so, um, and let's listen to another clip here from someone who has um, tried to apply this in the classroom and what they thought about it. My school population is diverse and has a large catchment from across the city of Birmingham. Our students really enjoyed using the Voices Project's resources. They supported important conversations. Some of the students were surprised by the experiences of their friends and classmates and started to understand their own privilege more. So Chantelle, you've trialled this with the, um, with the class. So what, what was your initial results when you had a bit of a pilot? So the first time I played one of the voices that we'd collected in its entirety, so or certainly a, a, a block of it, which is not necessarily how we intend to use it going forwards, but just to see what the student reactions were. And uh, from my class, I got the whole the whole class here tends to listen to this section, and I got them to fill in a little form about it, so they didn't have to make any comments outwardly. But when I read the forms back, um, it said, you know, one thing you've taken from this, and one of my students said, that's like my story. I had to leave my my home too. Yeah, wow. I was um, it was so emotional. I've had a few conversations with that student since and with home and parents because I taught their older brother, but their older brother didn't seem to have quite the same connection with it. But this, so again, it just because somebody has a particular background doesn't mean they're going to respond in a particular way. But this one student, they were like, that's me. And that's what it's for. Oh, that, that, that really, really made me take a, a, a nice gasp of breath in you know in in a sense that i mean i've i i really do subscribe and and we should be subscribing to this whole like intersectional nature of human life because we all have so many different facets to our identity that connect together and and we can see using the voices project therefore we can see how we all connect together we may be so different in some ways but there's always going to be something that connects us and for for your student to listen to this voice and turn around and say I can identify with that. This sounds like something I go through. That is exceptionally powerful because you're drawing connections between what seemingly stereotypically looks like another group. It's not a case of us and them. There is no us and them. There shouldn't be because of all these connections we have. Chantel, that was a lovely, lovely story. And I and that just goes to show that if, you know, I, I truly do believe that there's going to be, well, let's put it this way. If only one student out of every classroom has that same reaction when they do this voices project uh, in their for their lessons, however their teacher tries to implement it, that is going to be profoundly impactful. And so, you know, and that could be one pebble in a pond that sends out amazing ripples to change somebody's life or or give someone hope or raise aspirations so so yeah I come, I'm, I'm going to go off on one now I can't sing your praises enough um, I'm just so excited for when this gets uh, you know when this is fully out there and whatnot yeah we've also tried to mirror the voices project to create something that can be used within schools as well so not just hearing voices from within our own community and the socioeconomically marginalized groups within society um, but also those voices that are more marginalized within the classroom and within the school setting um, so we've set up a kind of step-by-step process and procedure um, to encourage students who are normally more marginalized or don't necessarily talk about the issues and challenges that they face within the school system um, to be able to have a voice in the same way 
So I've been doing recordings with students from within the school that I'm at and asking them the same questions, showing them some of the questions, uh, some of the recordings that we've done in the Voices Project um, and asking them to reflect on their journey, but in particular focusing on space and place. So where do they feel in place? Where do they feel out of place? And how do we make those spaces and places our own? And how do we maybe meet together in those places? Um, as a result of this, I've done about 12 different students that are more marginalized. And from their anonymized responses, we've taken that now to our senior leadership team with some recommendations of things that these students have suggested that would make them feel more in place at school and help share some of the um, some of the things that they're very proud of from their own background and their own culture that they want to share with other people within the school. Um, but even just giving them that voice, um, I've given the students their transcripts to reflect on and a couple of them have gone, can I take it away? Can I come back with other ideas? And so we're hoping that this is a process that can be self um, self-fulfilling and over the next year or two, those students that have gone through this process um, with me will then have the same kind of conversations with lower year students um, and it feeds into the school's processes and procedures like any other kind of element of student voice but particularly protecting those students voices and also making sure that they are heard by going out and seeking their voices rather than just saying come forward if you've got something to say in this really big school system. That's brilliant and I, we have lots of geography teachers listening to this but this is why I hope we have so many other members of other communities listening to this because to to hear this kind of process that goes on behind the scenes at some schools and if you if, if you're not aware what senior leadership team is everybody that's like your, your principals vice principals head teachers the assistant heads etc that kind of thing curriculum leads and whatnot so um, and this just goes to show that kind of the intricacies of everything that takes place in order to kind of get the best out of your students. It's not all about just the grades and the content. It's really about, you know, the best teachers out there. It's this habitus. It's like really getting a sense of that they can do this, the sense of identity with these students. And and I love what you said, Chantel, with regards to um, that the students themselves are kind of like almost start to take control and start to steer things and try and say, well, can I do this? Can I do this? Do you mind if I take this? And when students start doing, and I from my experience, when students start doing that, they get so motivated. They say, oh, can I, would it be okay if I would like to do it? And then you're like, yes, you know, you've got something. You've got something that's really touching them. So um, yeah. So again, it's, it sounds absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you for you uh, that both. So um We'll finish off now with something just a little bit of fun because I, um, for well, for a start, this is all this amazing stuff that you're doing, but you, you're human beings behind this process. So just to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, you're humans with your own personalities, your own quirks, your own characteristics, everything behind all this hard work and the fantastic work you're doing, we're going to spill the beans. Mm. Now, mm. Chantel, <laughs> I did not know this about you. You're, well, I knew that you're a massive football fan and you're a season ticket at, at Molyneux, which is uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. But I didn't know that you played and you actually coached football and futsal. This is a, well, how did I not know this? Spill it. Come on, spill the beans. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about this. 
Yeah, with my with my less than five percent free time I have outside of the day job. <laughs> um, as as a when I went to university, my my mum had stopped me playing football, banned me from playing football. She's like, "Oh, you'll have a broken nose, broken leg, broken arm like your dad. You can't you can't play. It's not ladylike." Even oh, though she no. loves football as well. Well, you could have joined a university hockey team instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then smash them on with a stick instead. Um, um, but as soon as I got to university, that was the first thing I did was to sign up for football. And so for my first two months, I was a striker because there were 10 other people behind me to get the ball back. Um, <laughs> and then after that point, I progressed to kind of like right wing. And then I played for a few years after uni. Um, at uni, we won. Uh, we were league champions and runners up in the local league and in the Welsh universities. We got to play some of the English teams as well once you get out the nice. national ones um, and then when I when I was at school when I first started teaching I had obviously a natural affinity towards like PE and football and I could drive the minibus already from uni um, <laughs> so I was a, a cheap person to drag in to help with football practice um, so yeah I did my football coaching badges with Watford in order to help the under 16s under 15s and under 13s girls football at my first school we oh, won so some QPR local uh, championships and then got dragged into futsal as well, um, which is ironic because that's the one I really can't play myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds. That's I can really do more keep it my head. <laughs> yeah, because futsal is a slightly smaller ball. It's slightly heavier, and there's just very slightly technical. different rules. It's very technical, and of course, that's actually the that's actually yeah. the football they play in Brazil. That's that's um, what they play. Yeah, that's their main football. sport. It's not football. It's futsal, yeah. and in you know by and actually that makes them exceptionally skillful and talented and technical, and they bring that into what's globally known as football or soccer and then they're just that's why they're just freaking amazing but yeah um that, that's a lovely little tie back to um episode uh 18 with uh Johanna, which is an ex-student of mine because i coached her for the girls football team and and we uh we almost got to the final and they're such a good team we had a few norwich yeah. city academy players in there and everything so but our captain missed the penalty in the semi-final rebecca i'm never gonna let you live that down <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rebecca. <laughs> uh, she knows. She, we, 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 we banter about it all the time and then she blames my tactics. <laughs> so, uh, so Kira, right. And I don't know how we're going to segue this, but um, <laughs> because this is like complete. How, right. I'm picturing. Okay. So how about f- squirrels playing football with acorns? And, but because they they have lots of time because they're unemployed now for everyone like saying what on earth is kit talking about fill us in please akira <laughs> <laughs> um well my non-geography related fact was that i illustrated a mini graphic novel about a squirrel who was unemployed he lost his job in the first <laughs> few pages um and it was kind of his adventures to go and find a job um and actually before i decided that i wanted to go into geography all of the years building up to like me finishing um, secondary school education, I was like, I want to be an artist. I want to be an illustrator. Um, and so when I was 16 um, and my sister had graduated from uni um, and I saw her looking for jobs and how difficult it was, I was like, OK, for her birthday, I'm going to illustrate her something to help oh. her feel better about the whole process. Um, and so it was this about this girl who's like, not very well endowed in terms of like his intelligence or like in terms of his physical ability going to look for a job and like jumping over the hoops of adversity um and yeah it it in the end it has a happy ending and um it was just really fun to illustrate and when I gave it to her she was like this is 
one of um, the best gifts that I've ever ever got. And I was just like, oh, well, I really loved, oh. I really love uses, <laughs> and I really like squirrels, so it just made sense. <laughs> you've got to bring the squirrel back maybe it could be the mascot for the voices project or something i don't know i mean that would be amazing oh that's so cool oh i don't know how we can end with anything else now all right okay right well we do have to move on so uh to to link all our guests together what we do we do a little feature at the end of the podcast episode we called we are all geographers now last um episode we talked to um mr president alan parkinson president of the ga and um he uh, wanted to um, come up with a word that you need to link to geography, both of you. And the word that he came up with was the actual the thing for next year's Geographical Association Conference, which is every day. So we decided it could be one word every day because it's meant to be one word. Right. Okay. I'll tell you what. Would you like to go tag team on this? So maybe because we usually do it for 30 seconds. We say it's like 15 seconds each and then you can tag team. So... I will, I will indicate when the tag over. So who would like to go first? Akira. <laughs> <laughs> we're tag teaming already. Oh, we're just too good of a team. <laughs> okay. So what I'll do, I will um, set my timer. Who's starting? Uh, you're going to start. <laughs> I am. Yes, you are, Shantel. Thanks. <laughs> okay, then. So you're 30 seconds to link the word every day. Two geography starts now. Every day, everywhere, every when, every why. It's all about the sky. It's about the land below us. It's about the people around us. It's about the where and it's about the why. Every day is geography. <laughs> every day we wake up and we see the sun rise and the sun affects so many different parts of the ecosystems around us it affects the trees which then affect the air that we breathe every day every second every millisecond <laughs> yeah great well done alan thank you for that one that was lovely <laughs> um can we can we pick squirrel given <laughs> given a clear as well? either yes, squirrel yes, or nuts yes you can yeah nuts squirrel nut, uh, well, yeah okay let's do it as because yeah let right what what is that word you're going to go for oh I, it's a panel discussion next <laughs> next week right and if you come up with something really quirky and strange and the people i'm talking to oh my god yes the quirkier the stranger the better so what is it going to be is it going to be squirrel or nuts or squirrel we can't have two so you can have two uh, could, it, could it not be a question please like uh what came squirrel? first squirrel squirrel or the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> right what are we, we going to settle on Squirrels. Squirrel. I think squirrels more out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. Right. Oh, let's come bring this to a uh, this chaos to a close right now. Okay. Let's start with Chantel. Chantel. Um, anybody you'd like to give a shout out to, and how can people get in touch with you on, say, social media? I'd love to give a shout out to everyone at Decolonizing Geography for encouraging us to pursue this yeah. and to Runa Ali particularly for bringing me into that group and everyone that's helped out. There's plenty, too many to name. Obviously, Akira also and yourself. <laughs> um, and um, I'm at CMO Geography and we've also got a Voices Project handle. Look here, lovely for you to over there. So you can give the Voices Project handle and anyone you want to give a shout out. So you can follow the Voices Project on Twitter at Voices Project underscore. Um, and I'd love to give a shout out to, again, 
away from you who are on this podcast, hmm. Decolonizing Geography, the Advocacy Academy, yeah. um, all of the team who have worked on the Voices Project from the start, some people who aren't involved anymore, um, but have like given us so much insight. Uh, Sam, shout out to Sam, shout out to Aaron, um, and also to specifically Rachel Robinson, who was my yeah. teacher in sixth form and who invited me into the decolonizing geography group. Oh, that's the second shout out Rachel's had now. She's very, oh. very, very popular. Yeah. <laughs> Bless. Right. Okay, you two. This has been loads and loads of fun um, and so important as well. And this is a prime example of what I've been trying to aim for this podcast. Fun but very very important and you know talking about some real real uh, you know strong issues that we need to be talking about so thank you both this has been absolutely delightful oh, thank you Kit. thank you really enjoyed it Kit. thank you so much for listening we hope you had fun if you haven't already done so please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app if you fancy being a guest or have any feedback Follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.